When Joe Rogan contracted COVID-19, he took ivermectin, monoclonal antibodies, z antibiotics, and a three-day drip of vitamins. And on the third day, he said, here we are on Wednesday, and I feel great. Clearly, Rogan's protocol was a complete and utter failure because he felt great three days later, unlike many people who actually follow the government or the medical profession's advice concerning treatment of COVID-19. Oh, wait. Here in the United States, we don't have any home treatment for COVID-19. The Dr. Reality Vodcast with Dave Champion. As mentioned, Rogan took ivermectin. So let's start there. Before I get rolling, YouTube censors, I have to make a couple of statements to make sure this video remains up. YouTube censors, are you paying attention? So here's the mandatory YouTube statement. Ivermectin does not work as a treatment for COVID-19 and man-made global warming is totally real. Okay, so now with that out of the way, let's get on with the facts. The first thing I want to discuss is the disparity of opinions or positions taken by experts all across the globe concerning ivermectin. About a year ago, when I decided to do my research into ivermectin, I looked at the papers issued by public health agencies all across the world, excluding the United States. And living here in the U.S., it was really an eye-opener because these public health agencies had done a lot of experimentation and research with ivermectin. Uh, They had some pretty great observational studies done. And I... I would come across these papers released by these public health agencies that were highly detailed protocols for doctors working in the clinical setting, in hospitals, in outpatient clinic with patients, and exactly when to give them ivermectin, how long to give them ivermectin, depending on body weight, the dosages of ivermectin, and so on. And it was all, usually each one of these medical papers that I saw that were instructing doctors in the clinical setting on how to use ivermectin was about four or five pages long, filled with detail. All over the world. And then you come back to the United States and you look at the United States information, and we find a couple of things. We find the National Institutes of Health said there was insufficient data to come to a conclusion concerning the efficacy of ivermectin in reference to SARS CoV 2 getting infected or COVID 19 developing the disease. The National Institutes of Health actually said there was not enough quality data to make a determination. Now, compare that to the <laughs> to the rest of the narrative here in the United States, which is if you talk about ivermectin, if you want ivermectin, if you get ivermectin prescribed, if you take ivermectin, either prophylactically or once you you test positive or have the first symptoms, you are the spawn of fucking Satan. That's the narrative here in the United States, which could not be any more different from the narrative in the rest of the world. So how do we explain this? Why is the narrative here in the United States so dramatically different concerning ivermectin than everywhere else in the world? Uh, The reason is this. Under federal regulatory law, the FDA cannot issue emergency use authorization to a vaccine if there is in existence a viable treatment for the disease created by the virus that the vaccine is intended to address. 
In other words, if the establishment here in the United States said the same thing that the establishment of most of the rest of the world has said, if they said that here, then the FDA would have been prohibited from issuing emergency use authorization to the various vaccines, which then might lead us to the question, why was it so important to issue the emergency use authorization to the vaccines? Let me share a little data with you, if I may. Okay. These numbers are the total revenue to the companies that produce the vaccines concerning SARS-CoV-2 and COVID-19. Moderna, who is the lightweight in this category, $6.3 billion. Pfizer US, $36 billion. BioNTech, $18.7 billion for a total of $61 billion in one year. But we shouldn't be concerned about that at all, because, of course, we know that money is inconsequential to major pharmaceutical companies and to the United States government. So because of that, we also know that the pharmaceutical industry and government would never, ever, ever, ever lie so that U.S. corporations and their subsidiaries could make $61 billion in a single year. That clearly would never happen. I don't know if you're aware, there's a video out there of Fauci speaking at a conference. He's on the stage with a couple of other speakers. This is a handful of years before the SARS-CoV-2 outbreak. And he was saying, if there was something like a pandemic and we could get mRNA vaccines to market, we'd be able to push mRNA vaccine technology forward by a decade. So if there was a pandemic, and we used mRNA technology in a vaccine, we'd push mRNA technology forward by a decade. So yeah, once again, nothing to worry about. Cl clearly, all the people who've been injected with mRNA vaccines for SARS-CoV-2 are absolutely not part of a long-term undisclosed trial to push mRNA technology forward a decade. No, not at all. I'm sure most of you are aware of the brouhaha created by Green Bay Packers quarterback Aaron Rodgers refusing to get vaccinated and having employed his own protocols at home when he tested positive for SARS-CoV-2. Let me share with you a quote from Aaron Rodgers who said, quote, I've been taking monoclonal antibodies, ivermectin, zinc, vitamin C and D, hydroxychloroquine, and I feel pretty Incredible. Doesn't that sound a lot like Joe Rogan? I think it's fair to say that just like Rogan's outcome, Aaron Rodgers' protocol failed miserably. Because, I mean, when you become infected with a virus that some people are apparently in panic about, and you do your own at-home protocol and you feel, to quote him, pretty incredible, I mean, ask any health expert, that's utter failure. I've noticed that the establishment narrative to condemn Rogers has been that he could infect others, and because of that, he's a selfish a-hole. I, I guess they're talking about the fact that he won't get vaccinated, or his home protocol. I, I'm not sure, because they never really say. They just say he's a selfish a-hole because he could infect others. So let's take a look at the facts. Once he tested positive... Aaron self-quarantined in his home. He's isolated. So you can't infect people who 
aren't there. Uh, Also, prior to testing positive, because he wasn't vaccinated, every single morning he was tested. And again, you can't give someone else what you don't have. And lastly, people who are vaccinated can become infected and infect others. So whether they're talking about his unwillingness to get vaccinated or whether they're talking about his home protocol, this whole thing falls apart. The criticism is just absurd. And after Aaron's done his, what is it, 10-day isolation, I think that's the current policy, once he has his 10-day isolation, he'll have prior infection immunity, and which is much more robust than anything the vaccines are offering, and get on with his life without all that nonsense. Oh, wait. The establishment narrative is it doesn't matter if you have prior infection immunity, which is much better than anything the vaccine provides. You still have to get vaccinated because, because we've been talking about Rogan and Rogers. So what did I do? What what was my protocol? Well, before the appearance of SARS-CoV-2, I made the decision to live in ketosis. And what that means is that the 100 trillion cells in my body use almost exclusively fatty acids for energy and do not burn glucose for energy, as does the other 99.9% of the world's population. It would be hard to overestimate how much more healthy a body is that's in ketosis than one operating in glucosis. In addition to that, I exercise six or seven days a week, both cardio and resistance training, and I have for 37 years. And the value of exercise, you may think you know, but in terms of disease, it may not be what you think it is. The value of exercise is that the lymph system does not have a pump to move the lymphatic fluid around. We all know the cardiovascular system has a pump, right? It's the heart. That's what moves the blood. The lymph system does not have that, at least in humans. So the way lymph fluid is moved throughout the lymphatic system is through the contraction of skeletal muscle, i.e. resistance training. And guess what the lymphatic system has a significant role in? Yeah, the immune system, which is relevant when we talk about things like the emergence of something like SARS-CoV-2. In short, if you're not moving that lymph fluid significantly every single day, then your lymphatic system is not up to par. And if it's not up to par, your immune function will not be up to par. Because I live in ketosis, I don't need supplements save one. Most people have a cabinet full of supplements. I have one supplement that I take. That's because I work indoors. I take 10,000 IU of vitamin D each and every day. I'm in my 60s, so according to public health experts, I'm high risk of COVID-19. So how did my protocols, living in ketosis, exercising six or seven days a week, and taking one supplement, 10,000 IU of vitamin D a day, how did that protocol work for me? Let's start with the fact that (laughs) I started wondering about maybe 90 days ago if I had ever been infected with SARS-CoV-2 because since this whole thing went down, I've not been sick a day. So it's like, was I ever infected? And not long ago, maybe six, eight months ago, a test that used to be very, very expensive, it's probably being subsidized by somebody, um, is now available for about $150. And it detects whether you have SARS-CoV-2 specific memory T cells in your blood. It's very simple. It's a blood draw. They check for the SARS-CoV-2 specific memory T cells and then let you know whether you came up 
positive or negative. I'll go ahead and put a link in the notes sharing with you what I did, where I went, and how that all went down. But the bottom line is my results were positive. At some time over the last 22 months, I was infected with SARS-CoV-2. I was apparently completely asymptomatic. Being in a high-risk group, I was completely asymptomatic. I, like I said, I had to go tested. I had to go get tested to find out if I'd ever been infected. So yes, once again, just like Rogers and just like Rogan, my protocol, living in ketosis, exercising virtually every day, and supplementing with vitamin D was a complete fucking failure. You can ask any public health official. Being asymptomatic and feeling great the entire time is clearly a failure of my personal home protocol for how to deal with SARS-CoV-2. So what's the point of looking at Rogan and looking at Rogers and sharing my information with you? There's a couple of points. Number one, there is no meaningful database in existence that talks about when people test positive for SARS-CoV-2 or they have that first symptom, their home remedies, what they have done, their own protocols having nothing to do with the establishment. There is no database that shows how successful their home treatments are. Zero, none. But here's an interesting fact. As much as the U.S. media just loathes ivermectin with a passion, I have never seen a single story about somebody testing positive or experiencing their first symptoms and immediately taking ivermectin, who then ended up in the hospital with any kind of serious COVID-19. Not a single story in 22 months. And obviously, if that outcome had occurred, you know that the media would be splashing that everywhere. They would want everyone to, well, this guy took ivermectin and he still got very serious COVID-19. There's no such story out there. YouTube censors. I'm not saying ivermectin works. We already covered this at the outset. YouTube censors, ivermectin absolutely does not work. I'm just pointing out that the media hasn't reported any cases of an ivermectin user showing up with serious COVID-19, which I'm sure the YouTube censors will agree is utterly meaningless. The second point I want to make, and I've shared Ruggen and Rogers' personal experience. I use them because they're famous, and I've shared my own experience just to add into the mix, is that it appears to the establishment and to the media that whether or not these home treatment protocols actually work for the person who employs them, the fact that they do not involve drugs or some form of vaccine that puts billions and billions and billions and billions and billions of dollars into the pockets of big pharma, if that isn't what's done, then the person who's treating themselves at home, they are bad, wrong, and dangerous, flat out. This phenomenon that only what the establishment says is true is no surprise to me because I'm the author of Body Science, which is a revolutionary work on human physiology with a strong emphasis on nutritional physiology. In addition to the science, I also have to look at the politics and the fraud engaged in by the establishment because 
when you're telling somebody something that conflicts with things that they have heard throughout their entire lives, you have to explain why the things that they've heard may not <laughs> be true. So I have to go through and lay out the history of all the fraud and all the lies put forth by the establishment concerning human physiology that has led Western society to be more sick, more ill, have more chronic disease than any community in the history of the world. Then, once they understand why they've been programmed with certain falsehoods, they're then able to open their mind and look at, okay, so if that's been a falsehood all along, what is the science? What's the data? What do the facts show? And that's when I lay out all of those things in body science. And by the time a person closes the very final page of body science, they will never be able to be fooled by the establishment concerning physiology, especially nutritional physiology, for the rest of their lives. And of that, I'm very proud to be able to present that tool to people. So if you'd like to grab yourself a copy of Body Science, head on over to drreality.news, click on store and grab yourself a copy. While you're there, you might also want to look at Income Tax Shattering Myths. Same exact premise in that the establishment has lied to the American people for decades, 60, 70, 80, 90 years. And just as within body science, I go through and I lay out the entire history. I use all the government's own words because what I say doesn't matter. I prove through the government's own words, U.S. Supreme Court decisions, Treasury Department orders, Treasury Department decisions, internal IRS documents that the IRS never thought anybody outside the agency would ever get their hands on. And the whole message is consistent. And it's like, if you're just an ordinary, regular American earning a living, yeah, you don't owe the government anything in the form of income tax. As just one example, I'll share with you there seven or eight treasury orders that designate who is to use a Form 1040, and every single one of them designates that a non-resident alien with U.S. source income is to use a Form 1040. Okay, so we got seven or eight of those. So how many other treasury orders are there that talk about anybody other than a non-resident alien with U.S. source income filling out a 1040? Zero! <laughs> yeah, that's just one tiny, tiny bit of the mammoth amount of information. I'm laughing about it because obviously I've been looking at it for decades, but it's just so ridiculous that people still believe the government's narrative. So you might want to grab yourself a copy of Income Tax Shattering the Mist while you're there. Anyway, thanks for hearing me out. And oh, by the way, when you purchase a copy of Body Science or Income Tax Shattering the Mist or a couple of other publications that are there, you help me to continue to be here for you. Thank you.